Now it's about that time where you start questioning this reading through the entire Bible thing. Well, welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. Today is going to be a great day on Daily Gospel because we get to deal with Leviticus, the most oh, exciting book of the Old Testament. So good. I'm waiting for this moment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, this is the point. Uh, as we said, uh, there you can get Leviticus syndrome, start <laughs> start, you know, going downhill on your reading plan. But we're here to hopefully encourage you not to do that because there's so much here. We'll, we'll get to some more, you know, the fun, easy reading stuff later. But this is also very important. But right. let's be real. It is it's very boring. It's kind of boring. Yeah. But I, I do think that you have to understand that is part of the point. I don't I don't know if it's like intentionally boring per se. But it's intentionally repetitive and somewhat monotonous because that's what the sacrificial system was all about. Right. It's it was intended to be um, very particular, very precise, because approaching God takes a lot of that, and it's it's a burden. Right. I mean, it's, it it shapes your entire life, and when Jesus comes and frees us from this system, it's an incredible blessing because we right. have free access to God. Right. Exactly. And I will say, um, I've been encouraged to see all you guys continue reading and just talking to you, people in the congregation. Um, it is really cool that you guys are sticking it out and reading. And uh, I think we formatted the reading well, so it makes it manageable. But yeah, don't get bored of this. Even though it is repetitious, there is great meaning in it, and we're going to talk about it today. So um, let's just get into the weeds a little bit. Um, we're going to go through, uh, do our best to get through chapters 1 through 16 of Leviticus today. And uh, um, But let's see pull back a little bit and again look at the bigger story because that's the yeah. whole point of us doing is is look at the bigger story of what's happening and that helps us to understand what's going on here yeah so, so in genesis we saw god's creation and really so we the, the books of moses are these first five books of the bible yeah. right called the pentateuch yeah. and really there's an intentional structure here that focuses in on leviticus right as unimportant as this book might seem to us this is this is the book that um, kids in ancient Israel would start by studying. Hmm. They, would, they would go here. And so the Pentateuch centers in on this middle book. It is the center point of the entire right. structure. So like Genesis is about God's creation. His word is revealed to his people. Um, he you know provides a sacrifice for them. Deuteronomy in certain ways mirrors that, mm -hmm. right? There's blessing and curse in Genesis as well. In Deuteronomy, we see that as well. We see a second word from God, his his final revelation with Moses. Um, we see blessings and curses at the end. There's mm -hmm. there's a parallel structure there mm -hmm. as they prepare to go into the promised land. Exodus and Numbers share some parallels, right? In Exodus, they leave slavery and they go into the wilderness. In Numbers, a new generation is built up. Right. right? The old generation dies, the new generation is raised up. So a new nation is constituted in some sense. Mm -hmm. So there's parallels there as well, and it centers in on this middle book, which is Leviticus, right. which shows us, as we said last week, we ended Exodus with God is dwelling amongst his people. Right. He's right there in the middle. How do they keep from dying? Yeah, because God is they? holy, right? Yeah. He's perfect. So, yeah, so this is a beautiful thing. It's also a scary thing right. to have God there with you. So Leviticus is going to show us how we relate to God, and it does have huge importance for us today. This teaches us a lot about God today. So the theme of, of Leviticus is be holy, right? The yep. theme is holiness, clearly. So we see this in chapter 11, verse 44, right? where God says this is the kind of theme verse. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. Yep. 
And then verse 45, For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You therefore shall be holy, for I am holy. Yeah, holy, 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 holy. Yeah, so God is holy, and the whole idea of holiness is being set apart. Right? Mm-hmm. God is distinct. He's set apart. And so the way we approach him needs to be one of living in holiness, and, and he's going to model that through this entire sacrificial system. Yeah, we got – yeah, exactly. And the sacrificial system, right? The substitution and sacrifice, he's really laying it out for us, the need and the detail that goes into a sacrifice. And blood is everywhere too, right? Yeah, blood yeah. is very important. And we yep. see actually in chapter 7, verse 27, Moses um, you know, is warning them about the importance of the blood – and in 7.27, he says, whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. So we see that the life of the animal is in the blood, mm. is what it says again and again, meaning that blood is representative of the life itself. Right. So when the blood is poured out, it's a symbol that the life has been given in a sacrifice in your place. Right. So you don't consume blood. Right. So so that's, that's very important as well, big theme. Yeah. And again, like... You know, it, it may seem strange to us, you know, to think of this sacrificial system as actually taking away sins, and you'd be right. <laughs> it doesn't take away completely all of yeah. our sins, right? This is a shadow of what was to come in the Son of Jesus, right? And again, we'll get to the gospel connection at the end. Don't yeah. want to get too ahead of ourselves. Yeah, um, sacrifice is a reminder that there has to be a substitution. Right. That if you are sinful and you don't want to be destroyed, which you probably don't, mm, some then people, something right. has to be, a life has to be given to pay for your sin. Right. So it's a picture of that, but it's an imperfect picture that doesn't actually satisfy. So God's going to going to say, you have to sacrifice something without blemish. That's a big theme in, mm-hmm. in Leviticus as well. It has, to be, it has to be a perfect sacrifice. Right. And that's for two reasons. One is only something perfect can, can cover the sins of someone imperfect. Right. Right. But the other thing is sacrifice wouldn't be sacrifice if you were offering something that was garbage yeah. and throwaway, right? God deserves so, the best of the best, right? Yeah, I always no. think of like a white elephant gift exchange, right? Yes. And and how, you know, at a white elephant, you just basically like, you find some sweater that doesn't fit you anymore <laughs> and you hated it anyway, it's got stains on it, and you give that as a gift. Like, it's right. not really a gift. Right. It's just like a thrift store donation. But right. so the, the God's not going to let us give something that's imperfect. That's what we saw in the Passover, right? Um, so that's, that's one of the sacrifice idea. We also see one of the big theme verses is Leviticus three sixteen. What about John three sixteen? Isn't that no? Like... This this is even more important. Right? Oh, John okay. three sixteen. This is really important. Turn all... in your Bibles to Leviticus three sixteen. <laughs> Leviticus three sixteen. All fat is the Lord's. Amen. All Preach. the fat. Preach. The fat is God's. God wants, God wants the fat. So what is this all about? Well, it's saying that the best, the very best. So like the fat lobe and all these parts of the animal, they were a delicacy for them. And fat is where day. the flavor yeah. is, right? Exactly, right? You know. Mm. If you barbecue, you know. You know. The yeah. fat renders, gives flavor, it's juicy, it's delicious. Well, mm. we're going to see in the first few chapters here, if you're going to be a priest, you got to know how to grill some meat. That's a big <laughs> theme, big theme. Um, so the fat is the Lord's. God, God wants the best, right? And so... So how would these sacrifices take place? What does a sacrifice look like? Yeah. Well, you, what you would happen is you would you would get one of your own animals, or you'd purchase an animal, you'd bring it to the courtyard of the temple. Yeah. Depending on you, your how much money you have, you bring an appropriate gift. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. If you're poor, you bring some some pigeons, you know, birds. Yeah. And yeah. if you're rich, you bring in ox, whatever, or a bull, and you bring it, and the the priest would come, or you would you would kill the animal, and then the priest would take that from you. Um, sorry, first you would place your hand on the animal to identify with it, just to say this is a substitution for me, mm-hmm. and then you would kill it, and the priest would take the animal, sprinkle some of its blood on the altar, 
depending on the sacrifice, it might get burned up completely or it might be eaten by the, by the priest. Um, but, uh, you know, so basically all these sacrifices, that's kind of how it would take place. Yeah, but there's, there's also different types. Like, yeah. I mean, if this is your first time reading through the Old Testament, read through the Leviticus, you might think just in general, they're, like we sacrifice or they sacrificed animals. We don't sacrifice today. That they sacrifice animals for all the same reasons. But there's actually different, uh, different ordinances for different types of sacrifice, right? Yeah, so we see five main types of sacrifice. There's the burnt offering, right. the grain offering, the fellowship offering, the mm. sin offering, grain. and the guilt offering. Love grain. So, that, yeah, very, very um, confusing, right? Because we think of that an, a sacrifice is only for the payment of sin. Right. But it's not only for that. But um, there's, there's five different types. So the first one is the sin offering. So we see this um, in chapter 4, right? So we see the sin offering, which is tied to the guilt offering. The function of the sin offering is to atone for specific sins. Right. So if you sin unintentionally or intentionally, you bring a sin offering with you. And basically that blood is poured out on the, on the altar, Right, the, the blood is actually applied to the horns of the altar and spilled out on the ground around the altar. Bloody. And the idea would be if, if you've sinned, you've defiled the earth by your sin, which is why the blood's poured out. And you see, that in, you see that in creation too, right? And then in Cain and Abel, right? Cain and Abel, yeah. yeah. That's, a great, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, but then it's also placed on the horns of the altar, which is the highest point of the altar, because your sin is not just defiling the earth, it's also an offense to God. Right. And so that, that sin offering is, is laid out in that way. You also see fellowship or, or peace offerings, depending upon your mm-hmm. translation. There's different right. translations of that. But the idea is its function would be it's, an, it's a fellowship act with God. It's, it's actually a, it's strange because this is actually a sacrifice that you would eat. Hmm. So part of it goes to God, the best part, the, right. the fat lobe. Part of it goes to the priest, and part of it goes to you. So right. you actually would have a feast with God. Hmm. Again, that's a theme we've been seeing, right? That right. God invites us into fellowship. And you should have to do the whole Bible, too. Yeah. So, yeah. And then we have the grain offering, which is the picture of giving back to God. So this actually wouldn't be an animal. It would be grain. Right. So you, you bring grain and oil, and it's a sacrifice. Part of it's burned up, but the rest is given to the priests right. to provide for their needs. And then the last one, or so we have the burnt offering. Right. And the burnt offering, the idea there is just general atonement for sin. So instead of... Instead of the the uh, sacrifice being given to the priests to eat, it's just burnt up. It's burnt to a crisp, and so this would just be in general. If you need atonement for sin, you would offer this. And the picture there is the the devastation of sin, right? Mm. The consumption of sin, the entire yeah, wastefulness, you know. almost. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, uh, and then the last one is the guilt offering, which seems to just be a version of the sin offering. In fact, in, in chapter 7, verse 7, it says the guilt offering is just like the sin offering. <laughs> there is one law for them. So right. I don't know. It's kind of hard to know why they separated in that way, but there's definitely a connection there. So there's sort of three different offerings for sin, mm-hmm. which shows us the totality of the, the devastation of our sin, right, and the right. need for sacrifice. But there's also sacrifices that are meant to be relationship with God or just coming to celebrate and to give him a gift. Right. No matter what, uh, no matter what offering or sacrifice, you know, Israel was using or, or acting in, there's still a big idea of the sacrifices as a substitution, right? Yeah, that's like the main idea behind all the sacrifices that you're substituting. Something is being sacrificed. A life is being taken uh, in most of them, minus grain offering, right? Um, 
to make payment for something. Yeah. And so humans need to make payment, right? Yeah, and there, again, everything that they were doing here is very instructive into the nature of sin. Mm-hmm. And this is something that it just seems like sometimes in our, in our Christian culture we've lost. Mm. So many churches will avoid any mention of sin. Right. In yeah. fact, I mean, even just in the way we deal with problems, and if you go back, um, you go back in time, it was people understood sin as being a real problem. But now if we have a problem, we tend to go to a medical professional or a therapist of some sort. Yeah, right? Very a, often secular people. Not a pastor or priest, right? Yeah, yeah so if, if you have certain issues um, that are spiritual, you might actually go to a doctor to get a, a medication for that. But yeah, that's and that's not to say that like every bad thing in your life is a, re, it was a reflection of the sin that you're partaking in, but that's yeah. saying that the brokenness of all humanity is traced back to sin, and that's the root heart problem of yeah. all of creation, right? Yeah, so. and there's obviously that, you know, we've, we've in the past, I think, knew there were certain medical issues and certain more spiritual issues, but everything's become increasingly just a medical Correct, issue, yeah. Yeah. and that is very concerning, right? right? Because we don't understand that sin is actually the problem. If you don't understand the problem, then how are you going to actually turn to the Savior for, for salvation? To band-aid on cancer sometimes, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. I, lo- I love the quote from Adrian, Adrian Rogers. Um, I, I share this a lot, but life is short, death is sure, sin is the curse, Christ is the cure, but we'll never know the, the cure until we recognize the curse and plead to God mm. for mercy. Yeah. So that's absolutely true, and that's what we're seeing in this system is God is illustrating to them what this um, what the curse of sin is and what yeah. the devastation of sin is. That's great. Yeah, I really love what you said about, like, it's a mix, mi- misdiagnosis most of the time of our issues and circumstances and problems in life. Um, yeah, we just misdiagnose it, right? So if yeah. you're depressed, like, yeah, maybe it's not just a medication thing. Maybe, maybe it is in part, but ultimately, humans get sad because of the brokenness of the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, we're complicated beings, yeah. but, but I think we've just increasingly been one-dimensional in how we viewed, we don't, mm. we don't always include the, the sin aspect. Yeah, spiritual. I mean, even, for salvation, yeah. not going to get into it, but even the stuff with current social circumstances and lockdowns and all that, like, um, yeah, we need to be wary of the spiritual death of us as Christians in this time or the opportunity for sin to creep in in times where we're separated from one another. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah so. is physical safety the only issue? Right. No, there's, there's much more that we need to be thinking about. Right. right? So, yeah, great. And then, so it, it, the text moves on after these sacrifices to chapter 8 where we see the consecration of the priests. Mm-hmm. And again, this reminder that the priestly system was inadequate because um, it... it it shows us that we have to have a sacrifice just to have a priest. Right, and we saw it with Aaron, right, last week. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Aaron made the golden calf. <laughs> yeah. But something about the, the priesthood is very important is that it, it reminds us that God wants his connection with us to be personal. Mm. He, he appoints a person in the form of the high priest to be that connecting point between God mm. and man. Yep. So God has always wanted to relate to us personally. Right. We've seen that in a lot of ways, right, like the, like the tent mm-hmm. in their midst, but... God, God cares about people, and he wants to know them. And so the priests, we, we mentioned last week how the priests kind of in some ways resemble the tabernacle itself. Mm-hmm. The tabernacle with their clothing is, and stuff, yeah, yeah. The tabernacle has to be cleansed with blood before they use it. And in the same way, the priest is also cleansed with blood. They make a sacrifice. Right. They put blood on his right earlobe, his right thumb, his right big toe. Yeah, and the, the, we've talked about Sunday mornings, like the knowledge, the knowledge of, you know, 
the fact that the priest needs to be cleansed and they're coming face to face with God is a scary thing. They'd even put like bells on their clothes, right? So yeah. that if they drop dead, people would hear that they weren't moving yeah. in the Holy of Holies, right? Yeah. So God God <laughs> chooses that that uh, side of strength, the kind of normal side for people. I'm left handed, but a lot of people, most people are right handed. Um, so I'm not normal, I guess. But but He does that in order to, to sanctify and to set apart the priests for His service, right? Right. And in chapter nine. Aaron offers that sacrifice, so he follows through on this. And it actually, I mean, it ends in a beautiful way because God accepts the sacrifice. So mm-hmm. he, he, he praises and he blesses the people. And then in chapter 9, verse 24, it says, Fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Mm. So, so God is blessing them. I mean, this is a great start to the priesthood. Right. right, like this is, and ju- just like we've seen a lot, right? When there's a good start, just wait a second, and someone will mess it up. Exactly. And speaking of people messing it up, what's up with the strange fire? What's up with Nadab and Abihu? Nadab and Abihu, yeah. great names, right? So Nadab and Abihu are you calling your coming kid? Either one of those? <laughs> um, no, no. I think we'll pass on that. That'll be for the next kid. Um, Nadab and Abihu are the sons of Aaron. That the priests working with him. And it says in chapter 10, verse 1, so there's just the following verse from what I just read. It says, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Hmm. Crispy. And then, yeah, and then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, and before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. So we saw that God had sent fire to consume the offering right. a verse earlier, and now God sends fire to consume them. So Nadab and Abihu become the burnt offering. Wow, wrathful. Yeah, this is not good. <laughs> and something happened here. No one is totally sure, I don't think, of mm-hmm. what they did wrong. And maybe that's not even the point to give specifics, but when it says unauthorized or strange fire, they're they're doing something in the sacrifice in the ritual presumably that is dishonoring to god so right. some people think maybe they they brought fire from outside mm-hmm. when they were supposed to use the fire that was there or um, they had the wrong kind of mixture for the incense some people think that they were drunk because later there's there's a, a mention of don't be drunk when you come into god's presence no one really knows but the point is they didn't view god as holy they didn't treat him as right. holy even after all this, and so God consumes them. There's a there's a punishment penalty for treating God as common when He is holy. Right. And and so this sets a tone, obviously, for the the priesthood. You can see why they would put bells on their on their garments if right. this is what happened. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this is just day one. So they become the offering, and the and the, the charge from Moses is to to honor God. In fact, Aaron then later, because he's supposed to eat the sin offering, right? So the sin offering is given, and Moses comes back later, and he's upset because. Aaron didn't eat the, the sin offering. He let mm-hmm. it burn up. So Aaron's like, what are you doing, right? Or Moses is like, what are you doing? And Aaron actually says, I was terrified. <laughs> and then it says Moses, when Moses heard that, he approved. Right. So <laughs> even though he didn't do the right thing, he's, he's actually getting it. He's right. getting it that like coming before God and dealing with all these things is a terrifying proposition. Right. It requires extreme care. So God is holy. Yeah, he, he is. That's the lesson we're learning. Well, and then as we get into it more, like, there's all this bizarre stuff that's culturally hard for us to understand. We might know some of it just from looking and observing Jewish culture and stuff. But we have all these clean and unclean foods that are a part of this this uh, 
this early people. So yeah, a couple questions. Let's just go th- through some of those those animals and those you know dietary laws. But like in general, like should we follow those? Yeah. The, so no, we should not follow these these dietary laws. And that's actually clear from a few places in in scripture, Mark seven and Acts New chapter Testament, ten. Yeah. yeah, in the New Testament. But what we're seeing here in the law, the importance of this is. God's making a distinction between the clean and the unclean. Right. So this is pointing to the fact that God desires purity in every aspect of life. Now, some of these divisions are going to seem arbitrary to us, mm-hmm. but there is a certain order to them, I believe. And and it really, the, the big thing he's illustrating to them is you have to think carefully about whether you're being clean and pure in how you how you deal with your life and how you approach God. So, I mean, think about it. if you're If you have laws for food... You have laws for um, bathing, all these things. Every single moment of your life, you're right. going to be thinking about God. Right. So when you make a meal, when you're cooking, you are thinking about what kind of meats you have there, whether that's pure, whether that's a, a clean kind of animal. God's, God's teaching them in every facet of life. So there's actually some things about, about these, these animals that can help, that we can see, right? Mm-hmm. That we can actually order. So... When God creates the creation, he's bringing order out of chaos, right? and he's bringing life out of nothing, right? So life and order are tied in, in God's plan. And when man sins, we see impurity, we see a mixing of things, and we see chaos. So purity, order, life, all these things are tied together. And so the, the way that they deal with their diet is supposed to depict that. So when it comes to the land animals in chapter 11, verses 1 to 8, there are things in God's law that are orderly and things that are out of order right so in this case with land animals it's does it chew the cud does it part the hoof right does it have a, have a certain kind of hoof cut and hoof. Does it, yep. right and that and that's normal of d- domesticated animals right so now based upon domesticated animals take that order and extend it to the rest of creation does it fit in with that if it doesn't then you don't touch it mm-hmm. so it's an order presented by god if it deviates from this pattern given by God, you don't touch it. Same with the fish, right? Fish for fish, it's fins and scales. Right. Fins and scales would would depict a normal fish as right. we know it. So shellfish is out. Yeah. So there's Oysters, so many things that are yeah. out, right? But so don't deviate from the pattern. If if it doesn't fit in with the norm, quote unquote, of of what God has created fish to be, it doesn't mean that those animals are bad. Right. Uh, obviously, God creates everything good, but He's depicting for them in their diet this order right. and precision of God, or birds in, in verses 13 and 19. It seems to be more with the birds, because there's not like a clear you know, um, look of birds that's different, mm-hmm. but he, he forbids them to eat things like vultures. That makes sense to us, because vultures eat dead things. Right. Dead things are impure, unclean, ceremonially, right. Right. so you don't touch those. And in fact, pretty much all of these are um, predator birds. Right, so the, the predators, those who cause death, you don't touch. So that that's a common thing that we see as well. So, so and, th- and that's good because the order section and the the life, the value of life with the birds, those two things are united in the creation right. order. Right, Makes sense. life and order. So God's word is what brings life and order. Sin, sin brings death and disorder. So even in your diet, you're thinking consciously about those things. Right. It makes so, sense. Yeah. If God is trying to craft a people that every part of their life is pointing toward His glory, and He's being they're being God's light. It makes sense that every part of their life would have to deal with their relationship with God, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. 
And this would, and these dietary laws and these purity laws would force them to be separate from the nations. God's, God right. wants them to be separate. But the fact that you couldn't sit down to a meal with a Gentile because they might be serving shellfish, that changes how you interact with people, right? right? And that's part of God's intent here. Right. And it's something he removes later on so that we can be in the world. We can be reaching out to those who are far from God. Yeah, we can be separate, distinct, but we can be holy like God is holy, yeah. right? Yeah, so, exactly. So talked a little bit about food stuff. Let's talk about like purity and quarantines, right? Yeah. Um, you know, a year and a half ago, if I read this, it'd be like, okay, whatever. You can't read this now and not <laughs> think about our current circumstances in the world. So exactly. I mean, and look at how much better our God's law is. Um, I mean, God. <laughs> at least it's clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's very clear. There's very specific reasons. Um, he's not quarantining healthy people indefinitely, right? Like things that we've seen in our world um, that has absolutely no understanding of of how to deal with this kind of stuff. I mean, right. God's system is very orderly. So for some things, you'd be quarantined for couple days for some it could be years right if you're a leper right could be years on, could be on definitely end. In, in, yeah. um, but the important thing here is to understand this is not primarily about hygiene right it, it does i mean it, it does show some of god's wisdom and you touch a dead body you clean your hands right that that's ahead of its time right, right? and that would have saved a lot of lives in the past but gordon wenham who's a, who's a commentator in the bible he says theology not hygiene is the reason for these this, these provisions? Right. So yeah. it's it's about theology, about de- depicting who God is. Yeah. And so we we see that in Leviticus nineteen two, which kind of you know repeats the refrain of this book, which is, "You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy." Right. It's a spiritual topic. I mean, that doesn't mean there's not a physical you know implications of this that are good, and even to this day you see that. But I've heard that same uh, thing from Muslim teachers and even Christian teachers who are looking at these and 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 saying the whole point of these passages is to point towards a people being healthy and uh, you know physically. Yeah. But that's not the whole point. The whole point is the relationship between God and man. That's the whole point yeah. behind this and us being obedient, right? Yeah. And so, again, yeah. And of course, there is connection there. Right. Just like we see with the dietary stuff, there's obviously connection, but that's not the point. Right. It's not the point. Is not just to, to let them not have germs right the point is to depict god and the the care with which you live your entire life because god is in your midst like i think of um one of my favorite passages in the pentateuch it's just so funny is deuteronomy 23 where he he literally says um he talks about their their pooping right like yeah israel's pooping in their camp right yeah he says um (laughs) this is good where is it yeah he says you shall you shall have a place outside the camp, and you shall go out to it, and you shall have a trowel with your tools, and when you sit outside, you shall dig a hole with it and turn back and cover up your excrement. So when you go to number two, right. cover it up. Verse 14, because the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp. <laughs> Not so, because you won't have disease spreading. But yeah. because <laughs> so so it's like, hey, I'm walking here. Right? Don't, <laughs> don't leave your, your doo-doo on the sidewalk. Says God, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, so it's a picture of... You have to be careful and uh, thoughtful in every area of life because God is is with you. Right, and and it's funny because this actually Paul applies this to us, mm-hmm. not not the not the doo doo <laughs> verse, but Paul applies this to Christians in Second Corinthians six, where he talks about being yoked with unbelievers. Right, he actually references Leviticus when he speaks of it. Right, so let me read it: Second Corinthians six fourteen. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Right. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? 
What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Right. So the power of these laws in the New Testament viewpoint is not in we have to follow the same guidelines they did back then, but it's the depiction of that we should be separate from sin. Right. right. Not separate from the world, not separate from certain items primarily, but separate from the stain of sin, right. that sin defiles us. And we should avoid that if we are the temple of the living God. Right. Think of the care they took to cleanse themselves and to cleanse the temple as they approach God. We are that temple. Right. How we live matters so much. Yeah, and we've, I think... I think it's possible, you know, antinomianism, that we forget that our life is supposed to be the same thing. We're supposed to think through every part of our life, every part of our, uh, you know, day-to-day as being glorifying to God, right? Yeah. Even doing dishes, any job you have, relationships, hobbies, time spent, like, everything has to be glorifying to God and honor His holiness because they use the same verses in the New Testament, you know, uh, since God is holy, we must also be holy, right? Yeah, So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go to kind of the, the total center of Leviticus, which is chapter 16. Yeah, the Day of Atonement, right? Day of, Day of Atonement, yeah. Yom Kippur, as we know it now. And the, uh, we won't talk much about it, but the the basics of what's happening in Day of Atonement is sort of a culmination of what we've seen so far, which is God is in the seventh month, he's purifying his people mm-hmm. through the priests. Right. And really that some people think that the day of atonement was just about cleansing the tabernacle mm. because it talks so much about cleansing the tabernacle, right? right? About um, putting blood on different parts of the tabernacle. And that's definitely in view, but there's also atonement for the sins of the people as well. Right. And of course, for the sins of the priest. priest yeah. I think, I think the sins of the priests are mentioned like four different times in this chapter. So again and again, he's telling them how to do it. And he, and he, what they do is they got two goats, Mm-hmm. So and they would bring these two goats forward, and one of them would be killed as a sacrifice. And then we see in verse twenty-one is that Aaron, the high priest, would put both his hands on the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the by the hand of a man who is in readiness. So right. two hands, which is unique. Usually it's just one hand, but two hands. He's signifying the complete right transfer. The idea would be the transfer of sin onto this this goat. Right. Again, we know that it, the sin is not being taken care of in the goat, but it's a picture of that. Right. And it's sent to the wilderness. And there's a mention of this uh, Azazel or Azazel. Yeah, Azazel. Yeah. Azazel. Yeah. What, what, so what's you were going to look into this? What's this all about? Well, it, it is Azazel is a strange word. It might actually be translated as scapegoat in some of your Bibles, but it is a weird thing. Sometimes it's capitalized, sometimes it's not. The translation can be one of two things. It can be the departure of the goat or uh, the goat that departs. That's one translation option. Okay. Uh, the other translation uh, is goat demon. <laughs> Just goat demon. And so... Um, it would be weird for it to be goat demon. You know, it's, it is a hard word to translate. So, so it, the idea would be that they're sacrificing one goat to God and one goat to a, a goat Yeah, demon. they're sacrificing to a goat demon of some kind, which is really weird. And, I mean, I think, like, X-Men has a goat demon, right? Yes, yeah, X-Men has a character <laughs> named Azazel, and it's like a red-faced Harken demon. back, what up, Leviticus? Yeah, goat. I don't, I don't remember what his power is, but... 
Yeah, he's a goat demon. So anyway, yeah, so the idea is like one goat for the Lord, one goat for this to sacrifice to this goat demon. The problem with the translation of goat demon would be that in Leviticus 17, just the next chapter, the Lord says specifically, do not sacrifice to goat demons. It says <laughs> in verse 7 of chapter 17, so they shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices to goat demons after whom they whore. So that would seem to put that to rest. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there's some sort of sacrifice. Rest after. assured that Azazel means the departure of the goat or the goat that departs. And it's talking about that scapegoat idea that's yeah. just in the passage before. And so another way to look at Azazel or the departure of the goat is the goat is being sent into the wilderness. And the big idea is that the sin and the iniquity of the people is being put on this goat and sent to a place far away from the people. Yeah. So the sin is being separated from God's people. I think that's the big idea of Azazel. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it could be, could be just scapegoat. It could be this goat demon or it could just be a location being yeah. sent out into the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I was, you know, wonder like, the, what if the goat like were to wander back into camp, you know, like <laughs> kill that sucker, <laughs> man. <laughs> but I, I think, I think that there's a lot of theories of what they would do. The guy would lead it away, would like kind of, you know, walk, find a cliff and just kind of nudge it, you know. And, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, it's not coming back, you know. Let's say if you read the New Testament too, like goats aren't the smartest. So for it to come back would be pretty impressive. You know, it's like, they don't follow their nose or anything. Still, it'd be a, it'd be a problem. It'd be a problem. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. There's there's a bunch of weird stuff in the Old Testament, like Azazel. But um, yeah, if you have questions like it, you can always reach out to us too. So, and to me, I mean, some of these some of these things that are more difficult are a, a reminder that it's authentic. <laughs> yeah. Like someone was sure. pointing this out in my community group with just the Garden of Eden, like this description of all these things that we don't know the rivers where they were, but it all indicates like this was a real place, you know? Oh yeah. Or this indicates like I mean this all this detail we're seeing. This, these were real practices by real people. This mm-hmm. was not something that was made up right. a thousand years after the fact, clearly. Exactly. So, and why would, if, you know, and even just, we, we say this a lot when we're dealing with like, you know, unbelievers saying that scripture is just all hocus pocus or whatnot. But if this was written by Moses, even some of these books, why would he write about himself so poorly? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's to be like, very honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, awesome. So, we hope that clarifies some of the stuff. And, and really, what the Old Testament Levitical laws uh, are pointing to, and that's ultimately that God's people need to be holy. They need to be holy like God is holy, and God wants us to, even today, to live holy. We don't have to follow all these same laws, especially the ceremonial and the dietary laws, um, because those were for Israel as a people. Um, but these are all pointing towards the holiness of God and the need for God's people to be holy. And God, honestly, God's giving us a pathway to holiness. Here it's a sacrificial system, but ultimately he's going to show us something else. So what does the gospel have to do with Leviticus? Yeah, I mean, so, so much, right? We see in, in Hebrews 10 that this, you know, that this, we have confidence to enter into the holy place, yeah. 1019, um, by the blood of Jesus, Yeah, right? Jesus by is, this new and living way. Yeah, if you want to learn about the high priest, and the whole book of Hebrews is about Jesus as the high priest, right? Yeah, so. and, how, and how inadequate the old system is and how much better the system Jesus institutes through his blood is, mm-hmm. right? A one-time sacrifice uh, once for all to Amen. pay for the price to gain us access to the Holy of Holies, right? right? He talks about that the, the way was opened um, through the curtain, that is through his flesh. Mm. Right? When his flesh was broken on the cross, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. That inner sanctuary was opened right. so that we could have access to God mm. in the fullest sense. You don't need so, a grain offering. You don't need the guilt offerings anymore. You don't need burnt offerings. We have Jesus as our offering, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and we see this in the Old Testament as well. Isaiah 53 talks yeah. about this, this one who was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. iniquities. Upon him... 
was the chastisement that brought us peace, and mm. with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So just as mm. they, they would place their hand on these sacrifices, and their sin would be you know, figuratively transferred, here we have someone who literally takes the penalty for our sins. And it's a great reminder that Christianity didn't just randomly start with Jesus and his apostles. This is Old Testament, Isaiah, right? Yeah. So the, God has already alluded, you know, even in Isaiah, that there's going to be, and obviously in Genesis 3.15, but God has already alluded that there's going to be a person, an ultimate sacrifice that's going to replace the system, right? Yeah, who would so, bear our sins mm. and iniquities, who would take that upon himself. It's very specific, very emphatic with the language that he's going to be a sacrifice, right? A, a, a sin offering for us. Yeah, the, really, the only sin offering. The scapegoat, I guess, right? <laughs> so this is where we get the idea of substitution. Yeah, right. that Jesus is the scapegoat. Our sins are placed on Him, and we are forgiven. And that means that we should now live our lives as a living sacrifice, mm. as Paul says in Romans twelve. Right? In, in light of this, right, give yourself as a living sacrifice to right. God, holy and acceptable to God. So we should live in a way where we are honoring God. Mm. Amen. And not only that, but I mean, Jesus is in his ministry, he's constantly, uh, thinking of Leviticus, he's constantly making unclean people clean. Yeah, even physically, like lepers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, so all these laws about leprosy and you couldn't go near them, you couldn't touch them. And if you touch them, then you would become unclean yourself. Mm. Jesus reverses that. Right. Jesus, because of who he is, can make the unclean clean. Right. He doesn't become unclean, he doesn't become tainted by sin. Mark, Mark 1, we see that where he, he heals somebody. And then he tells them, go present yourself to the high priest, make the sacrifice, right? Go through the political system to show that you are not just healed. That's what we focus on. Mm -hmm. You are clean. You now can go to worship at the temple, right? You can now be with God's people. You're brought into fellowship. So that's a big deal. That's a big deal for us. And then, of course, we talked about already how Jesus does away with the Old Testament dietary laws. Right. right? In Mark 7, Acts 10. Yeah. Well... I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the big picture for Leviticus is, you know, if, you, if we're kind of ending on that note of the Day of Atonement, you know, that day where Israel would be cleansed of their sins, the temple, obviously, but also mainly the people would be reconciled back to God, sins wiped away with. Christians, you know, the ultimate Day of Atonement is the day Jesus Christ took the sins of the people and has given us new life. So that's the huge gospel connection that we don't need to offer sacrifices once a year anymore. We don't need to do it daily. We don't need to do it for all the small stuff. Jesus in himself and the sacrifice of God's son has given us all the atonement we will ever need. So that's the gospel. That's the good news of Leviticus that God is even showing us in small form in Leviticus, pointing to his New Testament and the sacrifice of Jesus. That's the gospel connection. And this is Daily Gospel. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.